0: Welcome to Talks at Stellenbosch Uni, Stellenbosch University's podcast where we talk about current topics and innovative research done at the university. Here's your host, Angelique Dreyer.
1: Today we are joined by Professor Gio Kino from the Department of Public Law at Stellenbosch University and the Director of the African Procurement Law Unit. He specializes in administrative law and public procurement law. Prof, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you for the invitation.
1: Prof, so recently you published an article in the conversation which was titled What South Africans should know, but don't, about the government's COVID-19 vaccine procurement. So Prof, why should we be inclined to ask questions about the public procurement behind the government's COVID-19 vaccine programme?
0: So, there are a a number of reasons why this is a particular area of concern from a governance point of view. On the one hand, we know that um, South Africa has got a very bad, weak history in terms of public procurement, right? So, if you just watch any um, recording of the current Zondo Commission on state capture, you will see that public procurement featured um, prominently in the whole state capture um, saga. And, And that simply just says that the way that money is diverted from legitimate uh, spending purposes in South Africa is to a very large extent um, in the form of uh, public contracting. That's what we refer to as public procurement. So that supply chain and, and the spending of public money through procurement is really an administrative challenge in South Africa. It's prone to corruption, it's prone to inefficiencies. And in the context of COVID-19, we've Unfortunately, again, last year already saw how that general weakness in our public administration has played out to the detriment of addressing this pandemic. So, we've seen, for example, in the procurement of PPE that there were major scandals, um, a lot of investigations ongoing still at the moment by the SIU and other entities. But we already have enough information to see that there was large scale abuse of the SEM, uh, the public procurement system which, of course, then has a number of negative effects in our uh, ability to address the pandemic, right? So, sub-quality goods are delivered, money that should have been spent on PPE goes to, to all kinds of other um, purposes. Uh, and, and that, of course, is a concern simply in terms of public spending and addressing the pandemic. But then there's another very important angle. And that is the importance of public trust in government's response to the pandemic at this point in time. So we are now on the point of starting to roll out a vaccination program. And we've just really started uh, at the moment. And soon we will be moving into more general mass vaccination program. And for that program to be successful, we know that we need to... um, meet certain targets in terms of numbers of of the population being uh, vaccinated, so-called herd immunity. Um, And of course, we can't force people to be vaccinated. We are reliant on them volunteering to be vaccinated. Now, it is just an uh, axiomatic that people will not be participating in a program like this if they don't have trust in the program as such. And that means public trust in government. And the argument that we are making um, is simply that from a governance point of view, one cannot expect there to be public trust unless we have trust in the entire program. And that includes the behind the scenes parts of the program, such as the procurement.
1: And generally speaking, how should government go about procuring goods and services required for such a program as this one?
0: So, very important aspect of this topic is just the basic realization that unlike you and I, who are individuals and we can spend our money as we like, wisely or foolishly or whatever, it's our money, we can do whatever we want, so we can walk into a store and we can just take an item from the shelf and buy it, government is not um, able to do the same thing when it wants goods or services. So, let's say, in this case, the vaccine, or perhaps more interestingly, um, not such a a peculiar and unique uh, good like the vaccine, but something as simple as the logistic services to get these vaccines from the airport to the clinics, et cetera, et cetera. So normal transport services. Government is under uh, very, very strict rules called public procurement law to um, go about securing these goods and services. And that's that's the whole area of SEM and the whole area of public procurement. Now in South Africa, when government procures, it is subject to a number of rules, uh, all contained in law, um, and for large um, volume procurement. So that is a procurement above a certain threshold value. In this case, it's 500,000 grand. Government must, they're obliged under law to go out on an open tender bidding um, procedure. So that simply just means in very basic terms that the government must publish publicly uh, an invitation to any potential supplier to actually fulfill that need of um, government. So whether that be the good or the service, um, it doesn't matter. Um, if the value is above 500,000, there must be a public notice uh, inviting uh, bids, And then the terms upon which government um, is, enti- is, is, is um, intending to, conclude these supply contract must also be published alongside this invitation. And then there's a whole, um, quite a, a lengthy process for uh, concluding this contract, so identifying which supplier or suppliers are going to win this contract and then eventually concluding that contract. And this is all very important because under our constitution, we've got five principles governing this kind of action by government. So the constitution in section 217 requires that um, state contracting must be done in terms of a system that is fair, equitable, transparent, competitive and cost effective. Uh, And we need these kind of governance processes uh, to ensure that all government contracts actually adhere to those five constitutional principles.
1: All right. So, given what we know about what should have happened, the next question is, how has the government been approaching this procurement process for the vaccine programme?
0: Right. So, government's um, procurement behind the whole vaccination programme can really be viewed in two legs. On the one hand, there's the, the the procurement of the vaccines themselves, right? Just the actual doses that we need. And then on the other hand, there's the procurement of, um, let's call it the rollout services. So everything else that you would need to actually now get that uh, vaccine to be delivered and to be injected into an arm. Uh, And these two kind of processes are at the moment, or two legs of the um, programs at the moment, um, procured on different, in different ways, different programs. Although National Treasury has indicated that they intend in future to consolidate these two um, dimensions of the program, but for the moment they're dealt with separately. So, on the one hand, the vaccination, the the procurement of the actual vaccines for the program. Um, There are, again, two tracks to that, although there's some talk of three tracks, but we've not seen the third one really bearing any fruit. So the two active ones at the moment are, on the one hand, um, South Africa's participation in the so-called COVID-19 vaccines global access, the COVAX initiative, which is a, a global initiative aimed at ensuring equitable access to vaccines as they come off the line. Um, so countries could opt in. They could uh, conclude an agreement with uh, the Covax um, under this initiative, and then uh, under that agreement, all participating countries, which include the vast majority of, of countries globally, would get proportionally from the first rollout of vaccines. So we are participating in Covax, and we're getting um, some vaccines uh, from from Covax from that uh, initiative. On the other hand, we are also in parallel to our participation in the COVAX initiative, we are negotiating directly with a number of manufacturers, pharmaceuticals uh, of these vaccines. At the moment, there seem to be four on the table. Um, And we are simply just concluding agreements or ostensibly concluding agreements with these four manufacturers to supply South Africa directly. Now, the third one that I mentioned just a moment ago is apparently there's also an African Union initiative to try and buy um, continentally and then supply um, uh, to countries under that, although we've had virtually no detail on South Africa's participation, at least as a recipient. In recent days, it seems that The AstraZeneca vaccine that we bought directly um, in in uh, the beginning of the year has now been sold off under the African Union. So we seem to be a seller there, but but there's no detail that we've been a recipient, a buyer under the African program. So so it's really those two COVAX and and the direct contracting with the manufacturers. Now the way in which this has been done, and this is now where we start to be. Um, A little bit concerned from a legal point of view is for COVAX, um, the National Department of Health approach um, the National Treasury for a special permission to deviate from the prescribed rules of procurement. So, with other words, if you think back for a moment about what I've said regarding how this sh- should be happening, the idea that there should be an open invitation and everybody should be able to participate, uh, National Health asked Treasury to allow them to depart from that general rule and to basically conclude directly with the COVAX Um, initiative in order to simply just get these uh, vaccines directly from from COVAX. And this application was approved by um, Treasury in November last year. On the procurement directly from the suppliers, again, National Health approached um, Treasury and asked to be allowed to deviate from the standard rules in order to contract directly with four identified manufacturers. And those are Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. Um, And again, that application was approved by Treasury in January, so that at the moment, ostensibly, health is directly engaging with these four manufacturers without any form of open bidding. Now, that's the part for the vaccine. Perhaps the more interesting part is the procurement of the rollout services, because you can appreciate that the vaccines are only really produced by a very small number of suppliers. So it's not as if, you know, South Africa has got a wide choice of where are we going to buy these vaccines. It's obviously urgent. Um, It's obviously a seller's market in the sense that everybody wants this now at the same time. So the vaccines itself is, is perhaps less interesting. The more interesting part for me is the procurement of the rollout services. And as I've said, here we are talking about things like simply the logistics, who's going to transport it, the cold chain, because we know that a number of these vaccines must be kept at very precise temperatures. So who's going to supply those services? And then just the kind of um, venues, the people who who are going to, to be employed there, the kind of... All the the goods that they would need, the tables, the chairs, the um, syringes, then the waste disposal um, that will be a big part of the whole vaccine program, et cetera, et cetera. So you can imagine that there's a very big logistics um, exercise behind this program and all of that needs to be procured because very little of this government would have its own ability. In other words, um, our government does not have adequate capacity just inside the state to have trucks and cooling, um, you know, refrigeration services, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Most of this will be coming from the private sector, and the interesting question then is how did government go about actually procuring that? And again, and this is where, where it's really interesting. Um, for this first part of the vaccination program that we're in at the moment. Um, Government has again sought, or National Health has again sought, a deviation that is, permission from Treasury to depart from the normal rules. And they've done two things. Firstly, they've um, contracted directly with the BioVac Institute for a three month period to provide storage and distribution services for that first tranche of the um, uh, AstraZeneca vaccine that we received. And then also National Health obtained permission from Treasury to do a closed bid uh, with, again, four um, specifically identified service providers to provide storage and distribution services for a six-month period. Uh, in parallel to this, uh, National Health also issued an invitation to bid on the 5th of February for just generally for anyone to offer logistics and, and um uh, importation services for the rest of the program. So there's these the kind of three different ways in which government has approached the rollout services. Um, and 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 that's quite interesting.
1: Thanks, Prof. So it's quite clear from what you've mentioned that there are definitely some unanswered questions um, in relation to this procurement process. But is there anything more you'd like to add in terms of what it is that we don't know?
0: Yes, yeah, so there are a number of uncertainties, and and there's there's been a deficit of information with regards to both these legs of procurement. So there are a number of things we don't know. So, for example, under the vaccination, um, the vaccine contracts, we don't know exactly what those terms are. Um, seemingly because government has concluded uh, non-disclosure agreements (NDAs), which means that they cannot disclose the terms. Now, that in itself is problematic because as i've said earlier transparency is a constitutional imperative so how would you ensure transparency if at the same time you conclude a non-disclosure agreement meaning you cannot disclose the terms? so that in itself is problematic one wonders what the secrecy is behind the terms we're not talking about the content or anything of the vaccine itself but the terms upon which we're acquiring them and then you know, linked to that is then a question about cost. How much are we actually paying for these vaccines? And some of our own colleagues have noted also in, in pieces that they've published in the conversation that we seem in South Africa to be paying double for the AstraZeneca vaccine compared to European Union countries. Now, why is that? There may be a valid um explanation for that. But we won't know to ask that question unless we have that information about the contract. And at the moment, we don't. We just don't know because they're not made available. And then quite worrying is that seemingly there are also liability um, indemnities in these contracts, which means that if something goes wrong with a vaccine, then our government seemingly, and again, we don't know, that's the issue, but our government seemingly have entered into an agreement with the manufacturer which means that the manufacturer cannot be held liable. Um, And again, this is of of particular concern uh, and one would wonder why that's the case and and what those terms um, exactly are. And then on the rollout side, again, there are major questions. So for example, why these four favored um, service providers, why are they given this kind of almost monopoly for a six month period while we go out to an open bid? it just doesn't seem to be adding up. Um, It's certainly not justifiable on urgency grounds, because we know that governments, at least in September last year, started making these arrangements. Um, And under the public tender that they did put out just now in in, um, February, it took them less than a month to invite tenders uh, to start on the 1st of April. So why could they not have done that already in September last year when they Asked for deviations uh, on the on the initial vaccine procurement, so one must wonder then why these four um, bidders and not any others. Um, so those are some of the really critical questions that I think um, we we should be asking. And as I've said right at the outset, uh, given our concerns around corruption in public procurement generally, but in COVID nineteen procurement as well, I think it is it is essential that we have as much information as possible so that we can keep a very close eye on this kind of spending.
1: And lastly, how do you think these concerns can be addressed? So I think
0: for the moment, at least, the most important thing is increased transparency. So um, government should really just be publishing all of the information in a... Um, accessible format. So I think the first thing that should happen, the most important thing at the moment, is that government should simply just be making all of these details available to us so that um, civil society, academics can really look at the data and we can see exactly what the terms are. Um, And I think once that's happened, then we can start talking about, you know, other gaps that we see, concerns that we may have, and then one can start to address those Um, those concerns. But I think that for me, the most important immediate step is just maximum transparency uh, in terms of making the terms of these contracts available to us.
1: professor it's been such an honor to have you. Thank you for your time and the valuable work you're doing. And I wish you all the best going forward.
0: Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow all the latest Stellenbosch University news at www.sun.ac.za or follow us on all the largest social media platforms.